everyone. Welcome to another Tackle the Text. You know, this never gets old. As we get an opportunity to continue to tackle what we talked about on Sunday, let me tell you that you don't want to miss this. In fact, I need you to make sure that you are inviting all of your friends, tagging all of your relatives, and letting them know that something is about to happen that could change the trajectory of the rest of their life. It's not always possible to get all four of these men together in the same room to discuss what God has shared with us, but I am telling you, you are in for a treat. Uh, We had an opportunity to go over this text prior to our conversation, and I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. To my right is Pastor Hammond, to his right is Pastor Rama, and to his right is Pastor Matt uh, of our downtown location, Pastor Rama of the South, and Pastor Hammond of the West. And um, I'm so grateful to have you guys here today. You guys doing all right? Doing good. Doing good. Doing well. Man. You know, here we are, another Tuesday, another day. Um, and uh, it's always great to, uh, to hear what you guys think. I want to jump right into it because, um, and this text um, is so pregnant with possibility. And when you read the entirety of First Samuel chapter 26, you can be kind of overwhelmed because it's such a long story. But would you agree that even though it's a long story, it's really a short occurrence yep. um, that you can kind of concise it into a conversation? So we can just set the groundwork for those uh, who are watching. Uh, basically, David uh, sends out some scouts to verify that Saul has actually arrived to where he was because he heard that Saul was after him and that he was trying to kill him. And so um, he, he sends out some scouts and he recognized that it's true. And so David uh, does something different. And this is the second time that David is in a position to kill Saul, but he spares his life. And the Bible says that David set out and, and he went to the place where Saul was sleeping, where he was camped. And David saw it and um, he basically was about to kill Saul, but he came to his better senses and said, wait a minute, this is God's anointed. This is God's man. Uh, and he doesn't touch David. Uh, he, he takes his water and he takes his spear, and we're going to get into all of that. Um, and so that's the, really the topography of what we're dealing with. It's this silent battle between two nemesis, uh, and one has the position and the other one has the oil, Right. And, and, and which one is more important, the one who has the oil or who has the position? you got the dichotomy of all of this going on. So, Pastor Raymond, when you look at this text and you see David sparing Saul's life again, um, what kind of leaped out at you uh, as you tackled this text in your own private time? Thank you, Pastor. I think the first thing that um, just I... I mean, you've taught us about how to just look at the characters in the text. So I just looked at the life of David. And you've taught us also not just to approach a text because you've preached it before, but to just look at the text for new things. So I took a step back and looked at the text. And it dawned on me that David was a man of war. Hmm. (laughs) It's almost like this man knows how to kill. Like, and if I know how to sing and I know that singing this is going to earn me this amount of money and they give you a microphone, you're like, no, I don't want to do it. Mm. That's the, that's a tension in the text because it's almost like, oh, he saw his enemy. He could, no, no, no. This guy was trained everything about him. He never lost a battle. Mm. And now he is faced with 
this. And I asked myself a question, why didn't he do this? This was a man that just killed Goliath. Mm -hmm. so, so, and the Spirit of God told me, sometimes we, just because, first of all, just because you face it doesn't mean you have to fight it. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Stay right there. Just, wow. Okay, now you, you done started off hitting hard. That's so major. Can you please spend some time talking about that? Just because, because you faced it doesn't mean you have to fight it. The, the Spirit of God asked him, wow. and, and, and he said, the Spirit of God said that we spend so much time responding to our enemies instead of researching our enemies. Mm. And I asked, I need a deeper, you got to break this down. And he said, David called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. He studied him enough to know, then called Saul the Lord's anointed. If we take some time to study our enemies, wow. maybe we will not respond to them the way we do. I, go, go ahead, sir. You sound like you want to say no, something. you go. So, so I, I, I think, no, no, while I was thinking about this here, one of the things I wrote down, because I was just taking notes while I was listening to your sermon, and the Spirit of God asked me, if you fight everything you face, then you're not a believer. You're just a fighter, and I am irrelevant in your life. In this battle, all you have to do is stand. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, right? It says, put on this whole armor and stand, not fight. And I asked myself, go why? He says, because I, vengeance belongs to me. I, there's something I wrote here, Pastor, I have to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over. The Spirit of God dropped this in my spirit. It says, if everything gets under your skin, then you're not ready to get anything under your belt. Mm. So for, for me, it's can God trust you with an enemy? Your enemy, somebody had to kill Jesus. Your enemy is part of your prophecy. Yes. If everybody was Jesus' friend and nobody killed Jesus... <laughs> Where would the resurrection come from? Yeah. So the question is, can God trust you with an enemy? I, I think that that last few moments is some of the most profound things I've ever heard you say. The fact that you don't have to fight everything you face. Wow. And that God really entrusts us with the enemy and researching the enemy to the place where we know he did because he called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. He knew exactly who he was. And then he gets to the king and recognizes that he is the Lord's anointed. He understands him so much that he tries to tell the people who are with him. He informs them, don't bring heat to my name, to my reputation. I need you to obey what I'm doing. I, I think of it organizationally about how sometimes, whether it's in your family organization, how sometimes you can have people in the organization who are marching to a different beat. Yeah. Oh. That David had decided that Saul needed to be spared, but he had to tell Abishai not to touch him. Yep. Yeah. Because sometimes... People can try to prove their loyalty to you by proving their disloyalty to God. Because God said, touch not the anointed. And here they are trying to show David, I'm for you. But what happens? And should we be okay with people in our life who are okay disobeying God just to prove something to us? I mean, you just... Some of the most profound thinking I've ever heard. Matt, what, what is happening here? Because David 
David is actually the king. Okay, now we keep saying that Saul is the king, and he is, I guess we can say, technically. Yeah. But as it relates to God's decision and anointing, yeah. the oil is now on David. Yes. Yeah. Am I right in that, yes. in that regard? Yeah. So help us to understand it because there's a tension here between the person who sits in the seat and the person who sits in the oil. Yeah. And, and something is going on here. Please tell me what you think. So what you're saying there, we're looking at a, the difference between the present and the promise. Right, yeah. the present doesn't always reflect reflect the promise. But when I studied this, I took a step back, like you said, and what you said was amazing. Um, it made me look at things, at two things: David's level of restraint and his commitment to submission. Mm. Because I looked at it from a language standpoint. He, when he started calling out to him, Saul said, "David, is that you, my son? Now, put a pin in it. If you've been trying to kill me." Don't bring up my you don't relationship. Don't get to call with me you. son. Don't 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 bring up my relationship with you. And and his response to it was, "Yes, my lord, it is your servant, my king." Oh. And in the midst of that, he 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 went past the disrespect, the the, the hurt, and he said, "I'm going to be submitted, sub under the mission, the mission of God. I'm mm. going to be submitted to that." And so we know that it hurts when somebody does you wrong, but when you family. When I look at you as, as, as somebody I'm in relationship with, with a, like a father, that hurts me differently. And the way that David was committed to the mission of God, it showed through his level of restraint. And that was what jumped out to me because like, I've had family members do me wrong. I've had people who called me brother do me wrong. And, like, and I wasn't as gracious and committed to the mission as David was in those moments. And this is, this is the blueprint, as we can say, as to how to handle being wrong in those situations. Okay, so, so, sir, so when you said that, the, the thought that came to my mind, Pastor, is can hurt and honor coexist? I think we should stay there. Because in my mind, Jesus. I couldn't figure out how to, to describe the statement of how he was still able to answer to what he yes. was called yep. in spite of what Saul tried to do to him. And you just, you just expressed it. It is hurt and honor coexisting in the same place. And Jesus. why is it? then why is it that in most of our circumstances, whether it's intimately, relationally, uh, uh, professionally, when hurt enters, honor leaves? Come on. Yeah. Oof. How many people Jesus. watching us today have either witnessed or are guilty of allowing the honor to leave when the hurt arrived? Yeah. Wow. And it's, if, if, if I can interject Boy. this, it has to go with so value. Good. It has to go with value. Yeah. It, 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 I remember Bishop Jake said this one time, one of the most profound statements I've ever heard is that value is determined by sacrifice. Mm, come on. You can tell how much you care about something and what it's worth to you on what you're willing to give. And at that moment, he was willing to give up that hurt in order to honor because he valued honor in being submitted to not only God in aspect, but to still to Saul. Yes. In the moment, through the, through the hurt, through the pain, through the dishonor, every, through the betrayal. This is the same man that he went and played the harp for. And soothed him. This is the same man that he served. This is the same man. You, all these things that he's done. And he said, I still value you and God more than whatever you can do to me. Look, look at what we have. We have hierarchy. Jesus. We have the harp. We have the hurt. And we have the honor. Saul is at the top of the hierarchy. David is playing the harp. Saul issues the hurt. 
David has the honor. Hierarchy, hurt, honor, and harp. Do you see how one person has everything that's up here and one person has everything that's down here? But the person who is up here ends up down here. And the person who's down here ends up here because both of them have to figure out. Here it is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus. Because David ain't the only one hurting. What would you do if you woke up one day and you were no longer Stephanie's husband? What would you do if you woke up one day and you were no longer Ethan's father? What would you do if you woke up one day and you were, because the, Saul is hurting too because he's suffering loss. But the person who wins this war is the person who handles the hurt best. Look at what Saul does with his hurt. He throws spears. Look at what David does with his hurt. He plays harp. So, so, so hurt is a crystal ball you can draw. So that, that's what I heard because, because, um, a lot of hurt and honor are crystal balls you cannot just handle anyhow. If not, it's going to... There are things that happen in your life that are like rubber balls. They drop, you can pick them up. Bounce up. But, but things like hurt and honor, God wants to see, can you handle... Can you handle being hurt and honor at the same time? That's why, that's why, that's why... And Pastor, you, you've said this before. I know you don't want to tell your story, but, but whenever I hear your story about how you were hurt in the same church and in the same day God gave you elevation... It brings to my mind what happened with Joseph. Joseph basically told his brothers, God sent me here in advance. So they called it affliction. He called it transportation because he knew how to handle his hurt and still honor them at the same time. Pastor Hammond. Well, for me, Pastor, you talked about that hurt. And I think in my mind, I think about how, uh, what you talked about, the harp and the hurt. And David uh, calmed Saul's spirit by playing the harp. And I think sometimes when we think about hurt, we think about it in the context that most of us, when we are hurt, we transfer the hurt. So in other words, I, I want you to feel my pain. We often say that, do you feel my pain? Mm. When really the word declares that God says, come unto me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We, we can't transfer our hurt to people. We've got to transfer our hurt to God. And I find here in this text that, that David uh, goes... Uh, when he goes with his man into the camp, and, I, and I'm seeing that all Saul's people are sleeping. Now, in the place where David was on the hill, when they get to Saul's place, uh, if you do the research, it says this was the cave of dreamers. Oh. And sometimes God will put you in a place to put your enemy asleep so you can receive all that they have into your camp. You preached about that. Come on. And so at the same time, when David gets there to Saul, he calls out with a loud voice, and they awake. Sometimes God will put a word in you to wake up those that sleep on you. Mm. And see, a lot of us are always worried about, oh, they're sleeping on, my, they sleeping on me. They don't know. Let them sleep because God has put a word in you that can, can wake up your enemy and make Ooh, the transfer happen. Jesus. You know, a- Andy Grove, the former CEO of uh, Intel, uh, the uh, processing company, he said um, that bad companies are destroyed by obstacles. He said, good companies survive obstacles, and great companies are improved by obstacles. And I started thinking, you could take company out, and you can put relationship, you can put church, you can put people. Listen, bad relationships are destroyed by obstacles. Good relationships survive them. 
Great relationships are improved by them. Bad churches crumble in crisis. Good churches survive them. Great churches are improved by them. One of the things that I know for sure is that all great men and women have one thing in common. They are fueled by their obstacles. It's one thing I know. I have been blessed to meet many great people, and the three of you all are included in that. And what I know about every one of you all is that you are fueled by what's in front of you. That, that whenever something comes up against you, Matt, you determine, okay, all right, I'm going to run through it. That, that no matter what discomfort you may have, Pastor Ramo, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to figure out a way to outsmart this thing. I'm going to, Pastor Hammond, you will figure out, you know what, I don't care whether I'm left, but I'm going to find a way to outserve it. Every one of you all have found a way that whenever you get to that fork in the road, that you find a way to outsmart the obstacle. That was the point of the message. And the message was is that there was this thing called a king that is in front of David. But the truth is, it wasn't really a king that was in front of him. It was a mirror. Mm. I think that David had an opportunity by being confronted with Saul to see what he would become if he was hurt. And you saying that it, as you were preaching, I, the Holy Spirit kept dropping in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12. Mm. And when he talks about, you know, Paul gets to his thorn. But before that, he said, lest I get to it, you know, boastful. He said, I was sent a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted. Yeah. And, and it, just because it's a stone doesn't mean it's from the devil. In that situation, I heard a sermon before talking about to buffet. See, you read that, it looks like buffet. But to buffet means to spar. Yeah. It means to strike. Yeah. To be hit. And so he was saying that something keeps me balanced. Yeah. I'm, I'm, facing this, I'm facing this obstacle, and it's in front of me not to break me, but to make me, as you said. And when you get to the other side of it, it prepares you for what's on that other side. Yeah. That when you gave that example of the king who placed the, uh, the, the boulder, yes. the stone, yes, sir. and many people came to it and they walked away. They weren't going to uh, outsmart the obstacle. They weren't going to get past it. But when they did, he was prepared for what was underneath that because of what he fought for to get to it. Man, and you say, David, you get there and you look at David. David is standing there and he's looking at Saul and he is sleeping. And, and then here's what the Bible says. Guys, he literally, not, not only is Saul sleeping, but every, his whole oh, clique sleep. Right, right. <laughs> 3,000 people. <laughs> 3, people knocked out. Where can you ever get 3,000 people to sleep at the same time? It's, it's dangerous to be in a sleepy circle. It's dangerous to be around everybody who sleeps when you sleep, you know, who suffers when you suffer. Somebody got to be woke. He gets there, everybody sleep. And, and David says uh, to Abishai, he says, don't care. He says, <laughs> Abishai said, I'm going to take him out. He said, please, please, please. Y'all, anybody got a friend? Be like, please let me get him for you. Like, let me handle it for you. He said, I'll stab him so good I won't have to stab him twice. He said, I'm going to get rid of him. Then he says, all right, check this out. Don't touch him. Wow. Just take his water and his spear. Now, Pastor Hammond, they are in the wilderness. They are in the camp. If it's two things I need in the middle of nowhere. It's my water and my defense mechanism. Yeah. Protection. My protection. The water's going to keep me alive, 
and the spear is going to keep the enemy at bay. And he took it. And then the Bible says he put some distance in between them. And he goes to the top of the mountain, and I'm paraphrasing. He basically says, Saul, I could have killed you. I had you. You were asleep. But I remember what God said. Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. And the Lord gave me a revelation that here David is in the middle of nowhere. And if it's two things that he also needs is water and a spear. And I don't doubt he had his own water, and I don't doubt he had his own spear. But now he's got two jugs of water, and he's got two spears. And then the Lord showed me that if you will spare your obstacle, he will give you their supply. Is that why the Bible says he will prepare a table? In the presence. In the presence of your enemy. And there's something, and I'm going to hand over to you, sir. There's something that, that, that dropped in my spirit while Pastor was talking about the supply and all of that. I, I thought about the fact that... One of the principles of David's life is however you get it is how you keep it. If you have to kill to get the position, <laughs> you have to kill to keep the position, basically. I wonder why we try to kill Judas when Judas will self-destruct. My assignment is not Judas, but we focus so much on Judas. And David understood I'm, I'm too close. I'm too close to lose my composure. And maybe that's a word for somebody. You are too close to lose your composure. Over to you, sir. Hello, everybody. My name is Pastor Keon Henderson. I am privileged to give leadership to the Lighthouse Church, and it is giving time. And we'd like to give you an opportunity to be blessed. I want you to understand that we are incredibly grateful to all of you who give so regularly. And you're in different parts of the world, so God knows that you're dealing with all kinds of storms and mishaps, especially at this time of year. But I wanted to take a moment to thank you because many of you are so diligent to bring your offering, to give your offering each week online. And I know life gets crazy. You know, kids get sick and you're out of town on business and life just happens. But I want to thank you because you continue to give in spite of it. And I want you to continue to give what God has for you to give in spite of what's going on in your life. And it only takes a few seconds, whether you're a Lighthouse 2.0 member or whether you are texting to give or whether you give online, it doesn't take long at all. I want you to enter your card information and you can do it automatically so that it can happen as easily as you want it to, as easy as one, two, three. In fact, I set it up recently myself uh, on my text to give because I used to give by way of online, but now I text it and I didn't realize how incredibly easy it was. And I want to give a shout out to all of our technical people who make sure that all of you all can help us to stay with the vision. Remember, when we give, God uses what we give to help people and to draw them to Jesus Christ. And this is your moment to make sure you are partaking in any blessing that comes to people that you help support. Can you imagine the transfer of wealth that is getting ready to happen in this season? And when you give and you help us through benevolence to help somebody else and their life is blessed, guess what? Paul says, as a result of you giving, God will allow all grace to abound to your account. And I speak abundance and abounding to your account, your checking account and your savings account, your discretionary account, your 401k, your 403b your IRAs, I speak abundance to everything that you have investment in. In the name of Jesus, do you receive it? 
Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to toss you back to tackle the text because you don't want to miss what these guys have to say next. Check this out. I thought about what you said uh, in the message. You talked about how your hurt should be an instruction to you. And, and I thought about in that moment where his servant was with him and he told him, don't kill him. And there's some moments where we want to uh, speak out of hurt when sometimes God wants us to listen when we're hurt. Mm-hmm. Because if he, had, so if he had not listened, he would have uh, went against the anointed one, right? Um, and then I, the Lord gave me this to me, that through the instruction of our hurt, we've got to identify the content of the hurt. Because instruction is broken down to several things, content, process, product, effect, and environment. So if you identify the content of the hurt, you'll go through the process, and the process will produce a product that will affect your environment. So David moved from the environment of being pursued to now he's in a place called Ziklag. And in the place called Ziklag, God delivered him, and the Bible said he never saw Saul again. He never saw Saul again. Never saw him again. And he's been running from him. Whether he goes to the cave of Adulam, he's running from him. He's been all of these places. And this is, listen, guys, this is the second time. This isn't the first time. This is the second time that he has been in a position to end his enemy. But he never did. He outsmarted this obstacle. And the same thing, to me, Pastor Raymond, it's a type of Christ. Because Judas tries to get Jesus killed. Jesus does nothing about it. And the Bible says that Judas goes and he hangs himself. Well, when David gets to Ziglag, the Bible says that he never sees David again. But we see David again in 1 Chronicles chapter 10 falling on his own sword. Because every obstacle that you spare, every obstacle that you outsmart will take care of itself. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord of hosts. I will. And so I I thought about David says, Saul, I didn't didn't even lift a finger, and I could. Check my resume, dog. Like, everybody, I'm that guy. Everything. Tell me, you've read the Bible, what battle did David ever fight with his hand that he lost? Never. No one. If it was Saul, he outlived that. If it was the Philistines, he outlived that. If it was the Ark of the Covenant slipping off of the, off of the oxen because he was moving it uh, to move it to the house. He outlives that. He survived his own son, Absalom. He, is, he has survived his traditious attempt to get Uriah murdered, to get his wife. He survived all of that illegitimate children. He survived it all. You would think that he would have it coming for him and somehow... He survives. I have to ask myself, why? Why? Why didn't God kill him? I can't see. I can't see that David through action was any better than Saul. But here's what he could do. Because the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. So the heart was separated from the hand. Because... Most of us are so emotionally driven that anything our feelings tell us to do, we do. So if it were you or if it was me and we see Saul laying on the ground knowing that he tried to kill us, our heart would tell our hand to stab him and we'd have allowed our heart to lead our hand. But David understood 
that he, watch this, separated his emotions from his power. Let's talk to the people about not doing what they could do in response to people doing what they did do. Pastor, I think in that same vein, because he had a heart after God, he had a, a mindset of if I spare my hand, God will put something in my hand. Mm-hmm. And we saw that that he left with the spear and the water, and that was provision because he, he had a change of heart, and his change of heart allowed him to receive the increase so in the So if wilderness. you don't use your hand for pain, God will fill it with provision. Come on. He, 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 he got to the place where he didn't use his hand to stab the king, and now he's carrying more than he can carry, a blessing he don't have room enough to receive because he did the right thing with his heart. His hand was blessed. And I speak right now that if you do the right thing with your heart, God will fill your hand. If you allow your heart to stay pure, God will fill your hand. If you release somebody you've been holding captive because of unforgiveness, God will fill your hand. If you let go of the anger and the visceral frustration of, watch this, which they deserve. Which they had coming because of what they did to you. God says, I will fill your hand. I prophesy filled hands. Glory to God. And I prophesy healed hearts. And it's going to be a result of how you handle your hurt and how you keep the honor of the hierarchy. God is going to do it. I prophesy and I believe it. Get ready. Somebody just open your hands right now because I sense a move of the Holy Ghost that God is getting ready to bless your hand because of how you handle your heart in hurt. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say when you said that if he would have killed Saul, he would have ended his enemy, but he also would have ended his process. Mm. And God was not done with his process. Yes, sir. And for speaking to the people out there, the moment that you try to end your enemy prematurely, we know what happens with premature births. You're released into the world before you have everything that you need. Before you're ready. And the thing is, is that that your process is preparation for the promise. And inside of the promise, there is provision. Yes, sir. And so we have to think about that being too eager to try to end something. I would get into it, but really trying to circumvent process is really just trying to skip submission. Please stay there. Go, wait, hold on. Wait. That's Come on. We ain't, we ain't got to go nowhere else because that's dope. Please explain what you mean is by that. Is that when a lot of people, we want things expedited. And we've talked about that. We want things expedited. But when expedition is pricey, yes. getting elevated is, is expensive. Yes. And the thing is, is that when you try to circumvent process, it's not really the whether I think it's going to happen. Or, I'm, it's not really I just need it now. It's more so I'm wondering if it's going to happen or not. So we're talking about the prodigal son. Yeah. So when you, when you expedite process, mm-hmm. it's actually a reflection of a lack of submission. Absolutely. I, I, That's Jesus. Did y'all hear what he just said? Yeah. This is, Pastor, this is why the Bible talks about Jesus and what Jesus did and say he submitted himself. Yeah. Father, forgive them. And after going through the cross, we see him ascending. And people think, oh, resurrection, transfer. But there is is a pattern I'm seeing here because people with bad attitudes cannot survive high altitude. And basically, come on, Matt, jeez. How... The Bible says he gave him a name that is above every other name. And we see all of that. Oh, we call Jesus. But we don't know how it came. He didn't skip the process. He didn't kill Judas. He didn't kill, he didn't kill any of them. And how you handle people you cannot stand determines your standing before God. 
And that's why God says, I've given him a name. He has a stand because he handled people he could not stand. And so today we talk about Jesus, and we have, but we don't understand, like you said, he did not skip the submission process. Let's, let's talk about not Jesus. skipping the process. I mean, would we know about Daniel had he skipped the lion's no, den? No. Would we know about the Hebrew boys if they skipped the fire? Would we know about Joseph if he had skipped the pit? Would we know about uh, uh, Solomon had he skipped his process? Would, would we know about David had he skipped Goliath or the field or the sheep? Would we know about... Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. What we know about Paul had he skipped Damascus. What we know about Ananias had he skipped out on Paul. There, what we know about Barnabas. What we know about Silas had he skipped the prison. We could go on and on and on and on about how many people. What if, what if the process is the promotion? Not, not the outcome, but the process. What, what if the journey is what God is using to get us there and not the end result? What if it was Mount Sinai that helps us know about Isaac and not the fact that he was Abraham's son? We didn't, nobody, nobody would know about him. We would still be talking about Ishmael. Your process elevates you. That's what made Isaac more important than Ishmael because Ishmael was born first. But the reason why Isaac was the only son is because of process. Because of process, because of what he'd gone through. Here is Ishmael, the illegitimate child. Yeah. But that was his father's process. It wasn't his. And he is not the promised son. Now we have Isaac who comes afterwards. And look, his process. He's born from two aged parents. Come on. Look at his process. He's taken up to a mountain with no sacrifice process. His yeah. father has to put a knife to his neck process and i don't know about you but if somebody puts a knife to my neck they don't get to call me son after they take it away but he understood it was process so he went up the mountain of sun and he came down the mountain of sun and i'm afraid that we're dealing with the generation that because it hurt going up we change our attitude coming down and god is calling on, us to understand what we're going through so that we are the same going up as we are coming down and i don't know who come i'm on. talking to today but he is the same god when you are base and when he is a bound He's the same God when you're rich and when you're poor. He's the same God in a sleep number bed and in a hospital bed. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but he's God on the bus and he's God in the Bentley. You got to know he's God going up the mountain and know he's God coming down the mountain. He's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. Don't allow your process to change how you view your God. Don't allow what you're going through to make you differentiate and misdefine who your God is. He is God with a knife to your neck, and he is God when manna is falling in the wilderness. Come on, come on. He's God all by himself. And beside him, there is no other. David had the ability to know his promise, regardless of his process. And I think it's a message for every one of us and every one of you walking. That what you are dealing with is not pain, it's process, it's instruction. It's God's way of pointing you into the direction of your expected end. The level of my, Pastor Raymond, the level of my altitude is de de determined by my attitude. How do you act in high places? How do you respond in low moments? I know what you do when somebody say we're friends, but what do you do when the friend betrays you? And what do you do? 
when the friend denies you three times before the rooster crows. If you're immature, you say we're not friends anymore. If you're mature, you say, would you preach Pentecost for me? When is the last time you sent an invitation to somebody who gave you isolation? When is the last time you've cared for somebody in spite of them trying to cripple you? That's called outsmarting the obstacle. Yes, conserve your energy. You listen, not only in order to thank you, Holy Ghost, in order to outsmart in an obstacle, you not only have to conserve your energy, but you have to keep your creativity. You have to be creative enough to know how to treat somebody who's trying to kill you. Come on. It takes creativity. Yeah. It takes creativity. It takes humility yes. to be able to, to stand after having done all you can stand. to stand. What do you do? What do you do? I, I hope sure. that you have heard what they said because this is definitely the season for you to develop a strategy sure. on how to outsmart your obstacle. Thank you. Matt, close us out. He goes... And he spares Saul's life. Pastor Hammond told us that subsequently, contextually, find out he ends up in a place called Ziglag. And I believe it was at that moment, Pastor Hammond, the scripture says that he never saw Saul again. I want you to encourage somebody because they don't ever remember a time in their life where they didn't see Saul. Whatever, whatever Saul is for you, you're Saul. They, listen, there are a few thousand people who will see this, and, and, and yea, even tens of thousands. They don't know what it's like not to have something breathing threats and slaughter over their life. They keep seeing Saul. For some of them, Saul is insecurity. And every time they go to therapy... They, they handle it, but they can't get rid of it. For some of it's depression. They, they, they can kick it a little bit, but it then hops back on them. From, for, some, it, for some of them, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's, it's promiscuity, it's, it's a lying spirit, it's gossip. Everybody's faced with assault. What do I do when I don't know a season without my soul? My word would be to endure. You have to be submitted and have endurance. Like you said, they are, they are eventually, we all will eventually get to that place to where we see Saul no more. Hmm. But we have to remain submitted and consistent inside of the process. I say this, and, and, and I'm trying to harp on it because a lot of us, we want to wiggle our way out. And missing this process, I feel this in the spirit, missing this process will determine the level of the promise that we actually see. And when you get to that promise, if you didn't deal with this process, you will lose everything that you need to steward the place that you'll be in. David, you will be Saul if you kill Saul. Listen. If you don't see what it is going to be like when you have that power, because somebody will come after you. Absalom will come for your throne. And if you don't handle this situation the right way, if you don't get what God is trying to deposit into you, if you don't work out what he's trying to work out of you, you will be the very person trying to kill the one that you call son. Mm. 
you have to be careful that you don't become what you despise. Listen, I've got a pair of Adidas human races, one of my favorite pair of shoes. I just, I just can't get rid of them. I love them. They, they're comfortable. They still sell them. And I, I, you know, I could probably borrow a couple of dollars from these guys and get another pair, but I want the ones I got. So you know what I do? Every once in a while, they're cloth. I put them in the washing machine, and, and I've got a special detergent that's designed for shoes, and I wash them. And every once in a while, I don't put them out to dry because sometimes I want to wear them the day I wash them, so sometimes I just put them in a the dryer. The other day, I put the shoes in the dryer. Anybody ever put shoes in the dryer here? Boom, boom. Boom, boom. And all of a sudden, I would hear it stop. I would go to the dryer and recognize that the shoes have knocked the dryer door open. So I would close the door, restart it. Go back in there, doors open again. Close the door. Still got a little time on it in the process. So I push the button because it's not dry yet. And I realize my shoes don't know what's good for them. They keep trying to throw the door of the process open. The goal is to dry them, but they can't stay in it long enough to get what I want from them. But because I'm a good owner, I keep closing the door. And because I know what's best for them, I keep pressing the process. And every time the shoes open the door, I close the door. The shoes open the door and I close the door. And eventually, because I am submitted to the process and I am committed to giving the shoes more time, eventually they get dry even though they didn't like it the whole time. And that's what God is doing to you. I know you want to get out. And I know you want to escape the drama. But God keeps closing that door because he who has began a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Don't you get out of that spin cycle before it's your time. Stay in that cycle. I know it's hard and I know it's loud and I know it's hot, but the longer you stay in, the closer you get to your goal. And when he has tried me. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. That's Paul saying, I stayed in the process. And guess what? As a result of that, I finished my course. You can't stop until you're done. And God always ends in well done. So trust me, if all ain't well, it's because God ain't done. It will end in the well done. Out, smart, the obstacle. And in every obstacle you ever face is enough to change your circumstance. You can get through this. You can make it through this. I hope you heard the words of the prophets. They gave you enough for life and that life more abundantly. Thank you for being with us on another Tackle the Text. Can y'all come back one more week? I mean, just... going to have stick permission from Pastor Torrance. <laughs> Pastor Torrance might get me. Don't tell him I said it. But if I just feel an anointing Glory. Uh, that's going through. And Pastor Torrance is working hard right now. That's why he's not here. He's doing something else for me. 
uh, and pray for him. He lost um, a loved one, and, and, and he's um, dealing with the grief of that. But I just want to see if you guys can just one more Tuesday. Absolutely, sir. We good? I'm here. All right, listen, I'm going to bring this same group back a week from today, and we're going to tackle one more text, and um, it ought to be good. I'm, I'm grateful for you guys. You, I'm sir. praying God speed Thank over you. your life you. and nothing but his best, and that God will continue to endow you with blessings you don't have room enough to receive. Thank you so much. This is another Tackle the Text. Don't you forget to outsmart the obstacle. Wow, what an amazing word we just heard. Do you know that when God gives you his word, he gives you himself. The Bible says God is one with his word. There's so much power in what you just heard. And I always like to say faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want you to go back, listen to this. I bet there's something you're going to hear that you didn't hear the first time. Because the Bible says God speaks once, but we hear twice. Listen, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to serve you. We're trying to, we're trying to seek God's kingdom. We're trying to expand God's kingdom. And, and a lot of people want to partner with us. They, they've been emailing us, texting us, letting us know. We want to be a part of what God is doing here. And we hear you. And so all the details you need to give is on the bottom of your screen. That is one way we can connect with what God is doing in this season. But maybe you want to take it to the next level. You just, you just don't want to give. You want to be part of what God is doing here. And you want to join what we're doing here. You want to be part of this body. We also have ways you can do that. All the information you need is at the bottom of your screen. Listen, Lighthouse is a place. The, we, we, the Bible tells us that Lighthouse is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's what we are. That's who we are. I want to speak into your life today. Before I leave, I want to speak a word of blessing over you. That God's lights will shine upon you. That you will be like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That you will leave out the name of this church, the lighthouse. Wherever you go, you will dispel darkness and you bring light there. Like we always like to say, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. God bless you. Hey everybody, what's going on? It's PK here. And listen, I want to tell you that I get so many DMs, so many messages of people saying, Pastor, how can I connect with you? I love your messages, but going through YouTube is kind of difficult. Where can I come to a centralized place? We heard you. And that's why we created Lighthouse 2.0. Lighthouse 2.0 is our tribe. It's our village. It's the place where all of the people who say, I want PK to be my online pastor. And PK says, I want you to be my online member. This is the place where we go, the watering hole, the ecosystem where we all come to grow together. And it is exclusively for you. They're getting ready to put a link up on the screen right now that shows you how you make that exclusive step. And everybody can't get in. So you better take first movers advantage and get in while you can fit in. I can't wait to see you inside of 2.0. May God bless you. And let's do this thing for Christ.